All right, if you have your Bibles, I'll ask you to turn them to the book of Ephesians in chapter number 2. Ephesians in chapter number 2. Again, I want to thank you so much uh, for allowing me to be able to be here. Uh, the only regret I have in being here is uh, Nikita is not with me uh, this time. Uh, there are some places um, that I don't take her to anymore. And there's a reason, but there's some places that I regret when she's not with me. And this is certainly one of these places. And uh, she told me to tell everyone hello and that she loves you and she appreciates you very much. And I, and, and this first time back in July was the last time that she was with me. Well, the last time she was with me here in July was the first time that she was here. And uh, boy, you, you sure made her feel at home. And we certainly thank you for that. Um, I, I appreciate uh, the kindness of this church towards me, and uh, Brother Marshall, I appreciate you opening up your pulpit and allowing me to be able to preach um, again to Riverside Baptist Church. And and I understand, I, and 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 I've always had liberty uh, when I've preached behind this pulpit. Uh, but I understand, as a guest preacher, the reason I have liberty to preach behind another man's pulpit is because you've got a faithful man of God that stands behind this pulpit. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and faithfully preaches the Word of God. Therefore, it gives guest preachers liberty, and I sure am thankful for it. Sometimes I have to go and generate my own liberty, but I like it when that liberty is given. Amen. So, amen. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, or we do come to you again, Lord, a very needy people. Lord, I certainly need uh, uh, the Spirit and the touch of God upon my life as I preach thy book. And dear God, I, Lord, I'd rather be seated today and allow one of these other preachers, Brother Marshall, whoever, to stand in my gap, Lord, than to stand without the Spirit and the touch of God upon my life as I deliver your word this morning. And dear God, I, we need the Spirit of God, Lord, to just move in this service in a great and mighty way and Lord, how my heart has already been touched this morning, uh, Lord, by the good uh, singing. And Lord, I sure do thank you for that. And dear God, I pray that you do the work that only you can do. Lord, we do come to you today. And Lord, we ask you 
If there would be anybody lost in this service, Lord, we pray that you'd save them by the good grace of God. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In your precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Allow me to read Ephesians 2, verse number 1 through 3 once again for us. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 through 3, it describes the depraved, deplorable condition of those that are lost, the unsaved. These verses reminds us that the lost sinner, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. Not because of any particular sin that they've committed, but because of the sin that Adam committed in the garden when he broke God's commandment of eating from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Adam broke that commandment, that's what we call the fall of man, and there was total separation now from sinful man to a holy God. And the only way that sinful man can be reconciled back to a holy God was through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. The Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 through 3, it reminds us, that the lost sinner, they're depraved in their appetites and in their actions. In that state, they have no appetite for the things of God. And the only goal for the sinful fleshly man is to satisfy their lust and to gratify their flesh. In that dead, deceived, depraved condition, they're separated from God and they're doomed to, to face God in judgment someday. The lost sinner is in an awful mess. And to say the least, they're in a terrible situation. And because the lost sinner's dead, they're trapped in their lost condition, and they can do nothing of themselves to deliver themselves from that place called hell. It doesn't matter what religion they join. Religion will never separate them from that place called hell. One preacher said, religion is man reaching up to God. Salvation is God reaching down to man. We find that uh, uh, every part of the lost sinner's being, uh, they're tainted by and they're trapped in their sin. Try as he might again, all of his attempts at religious activity and self-improvement can never make him right with the holy God. None of your self-efforts could ever take away our sins. What could wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing the sinful man can do will ever make him fit for heaven. Left alone, the lost sinner will never become holy. Left alone, the lost sinner will never seek a holy God. He will never escape the fires of hell in the shape that he's in as a lost sinner. 
the present condition of the sinful man in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 through 3, and future condemnation of the lost sinner could not be stated in any more horrible terms, uh, I believe, than in right here in Ephesians 2, and verse number 1 through 3. That's where the lost sinner is today, and that's where you and I were one day before we got saved by the grace of God. And if the verses in Ephesians 2 just stopped in verse number 3, can we all be reminded every single one of us would be in a mess this morning. Uh, We would not have any hope to escape the eternal flames of hell. Every single one of us would surely, uh, certainly remain dead in our trespasses and sins. But I've got good news, or the Bible has good news, amen. And I want you to look back at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. And I want you to simultaneously on the count of three, simultaneously, it's hard for me to say that big word, but it means at the same time, amen. And I want us to read verse number four together. I want us to read the first two words of verse number four. I want us to look at it. Look at it with me. Verse number four, on the count of three, let's say those first two words together. One, two, three. But God, amen. But God. And for the next few minutes, I want to preach on that subject. When God but sin, amen. When God but sin. Uh, My dad taught me from a very early age. He said, son, he said, when two adults are speaking, he said, you don't dare butt into their conversation. You wait until those two adults get through speaking, and then you ask permission to uh, talk to the adult that you want to talk to. Uh, I, I beg God to give us that same respect back in America, amen. I, I, I remember, I, 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 remember uh, I, I was preaching in Texas some time ago, and uh, I got through preaching, and boy, God met with us in a great and mighty way in that church service, and the Lord uh, saved uh, souls, and the baptismal waters were stirred, and boy, God just met with us in a great and mighty way there that day. And I remember after the service, I was standing by my CD table, and uh, there were folks that were coming by and uh, speaking to us and uh, telling us that they were thankful we were there and were looking forward to the church service that night. And I I remember there was a man there, and as I was talking to a lady, you could tell just about every few seconds he wanted to butt into the conversation. And finally, he couldn't take it any longer, and he just butted into mind in that lady's conversation. And he said, Brother Dallas, he said, said, you know the title on that sermon right there. He said, you know it's grammatically incorrect, don't you? And I was thinking in my mind, I I was trying to figure out what grammatically incorrect even meant, amen. And and, and can I say, when he uh, butted into my conversation, it aggravated me that he butted into my conversation. And it still aggravates me today when folks butt into my conversation because of what my dad taught me. But can I say, I'm glad there was a day in my life when I walked in a church service like this. And I didn't care anything about God. And I I was living life the way that I wanted to live. And I was carousing with the heathen. And I was shaking my fist in foolishness to the God of heaven and if I would have died in my lost condition I would have went to the eternal flames called hell but praise God he butted to my life and I had a head-on collision with the Holy Ghost of God in that church service and God spoke to my heart show me my lost condition and save me by the grace of God amen can we all be reminded every one of us that are saved by the grace of God God butted all of our lives amen there's not a one of us here today that put it on our 
our calendar and said two weeks from today, I'm going to fall under conviction and I'm going to walk an aisle and get saved by the grace of God. But I thank God today. He looked past our agenda. He looked past our ideas. And thank God he budded in our life and saved us by the grace of God. Let's look at it again. Look at verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't have to turn there, but let me read the verses for you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9 through 11, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Can I say today, child of God, can I say today, loyal sinner, there's some wonderful things that happen when God butts into your life. Amen. Let's look at the verses here in Ephesians 2. Can y'all hear me this morning? Amen. I was in Colorado years ago, and a little girl come up to me after service and said, Brother Dallas, you ever thought about toning it down just a little bit? Amen. I said, no. I said, my mom and daddy always said I had a big mouth, and I don't want to prove them wrong now. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, look at it with me. Look at verse number 4. The Bible says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Can I say, number one, when God butts in, there's a divine intervention when God butts in. Amen. It's a, it's a divine intervention. Those words are God's intervention, number one, is personal. The words, but God, that's filled with glory. But God, that's filled with power. But God, those words are filled with meaning. Those two words, just six little letters, one conjunction, one personal noun, may just be the greatest words of the entire Bible. Those two words tells us where salvation originates. Those two words, but God tells us who initiates salvation. Can we be reminded, God always makes the first move in salvation because the lost sinner is incapable of making the first move toward God. Those two words mark the difference between life and death, between a life of turmoil and a life of peace, between a life of sin and sorrow and a life lived to the glory of God, between salvation and damnation between heaven and hell. Thank God, but God, I'm glad he butts in. Amen. Aren't you glad, child of God, he took a personal interest in you? I, I bless the day that he came calling and butting on my life. I wasn't looking for a change of life. I wasn't looking for a Savior. I wasn't looking for anything but the next good time, the next big thrill, the next big sin. But I praise the name of God that he had other ideas for my life. I was living in that halfway house uh, for dope addicts and alcoholics on the other side of Memphis. I'd already gone through five rehabs and in and out of jail. I, I had it in my mind, as Brother Marshall said a while ago, there was no way to get off that dead-end road of destruction I was going down. There was no hope. I, I was too 
too far bent to ever be able to get peace in my life. And I thought I had to fill that empty void with all the drugs this world had to offer. That night I pulled up on a church service just like this. I got on the driveway there that day and I didn't care anything about God, but I soon found out that God cared everything about me. And the third row from the back of the Bethel Baptist Church at Walls, Mississippi, the Holy Ghost of God burned into my life and showed me the marvelous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. My favorite verse in the entire Bible is Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word whosoever. You know what it means? It means all. It means anyone. It means everybody. There are no exclusions. There are no exceptions. I'm glad it doesn't matter how dark the stain or how deep the sin. I'm glad, hallelujah, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. Amen. Can I say God's intervention is personal? But second of all, his intervention is precious. Look at that next phrase after but God. The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Think about what Paul is saying here. He mentions that God is rich in mercy. That word rich means an overabundance, that which is without measure. It means it's unlimited. And that characteristic alone suggests that God possesses an overabundant, measureless, and unlimited quantity of mercy. That word mercy refers to goodness or kindness toward the miserable and the afflicted. Many times the Bible says that he was moved uh, with compassion as he looked upon those who were helpless in their afflictions and sins. And on those occasions, the Savior's mercy moved him to reach out in love and do something to alleviate the sufferings of those that he felt mercy towards as he allowed the blind eyes to see, the deaf ears to hear, the lame to walk. He showed mercy on them. I'm glad he does the same thing in salvation. In verse number 133 of Ephesians 2, there was never a more afflicted or miserable group than those described within these pages. And in spite of their wicked, fallen condition, in spite of their continual rebellion, in spite of their sinfulness and their morally depraved state, God looked upon them with mercy in his heart. And in mercy, he was moved to do something to help them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I tell you my friend that there's one thing that every single one of us stand in need of. Some may not stand in need of more money. Some may not stand in need of more health. Some may not stand in need of some of the other things that others may stand in need of. But every single one of us stand in need of this mercy. But I thank God today that mercy is extended to every one of us. Amen. But he's rich in mercy. What makes the love of God so amazing is the object of that love. Look what the object is. The Bible says, wherewith he loved us. The us in that phrase refers to those who are redeemed from among the lost multitudes described in verse number 1 through 3. It speaks of the us that at one time did not love God but sure did love our sin. It speaks of the us who lived in constant rebellion against God's word, God's will, and God's way. It speaks of the us who deserved his judgment and eternal damnation in hell. It speaks of the us that at one time hated God but loved our sin. 
It speaks of the us who turned away from him and opened and restrained rebellion. But God loved us. One of my favorite songs goes like this. My father has a great big family. And there are many children besides me. If you're wondering how he divides his time, let me say I never have to wait in line. He loves me like I was his only child, never felt so loved before. I could never ask for more. He loves me like I was his only child. Yes, he really loves me. He loves me like I was his only child. He never favors me above the rest, but I can't help but feel that I am blessed. He treats me best, I often say, but all my father's children feel that way. Or what about that wonderful song, The Love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes, behind, it goes beyond the high star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Or what about that song that we learned in junior church or on the bus route? Can I say I don't ever want to lose the awe of it all that Jesus loves me? This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Can I say his love, he's rich in mercy. Not only is his intervention personal, not only is it precious, but look at verse number five. His love for us is profound. Look at verse number five. Notice when God's intervention occurred. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, even when we were dead in sins. You understand, maybe you're here this morning and you're lost. And you don't know for 100% sure without a shadow of a doubt, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You don't know that if you were to die in the next five minutes, heaven would be your home. And uh, you, 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 you say, well, I'll wait till I get everything right in my life. Then I'll get that salvation thing settled. Well, let me ask you a question. When a person goes fishing, do they catch the fish first or do they clean the fish? They catch the fish first, my friend. Then they clean the fish. In other words, my friend, if you're waiting till everything gets right in your life, it's never going to be right. But I'm thankful, my friend, God doesn't work from the outside. He works from the inside and makes everything right. Amen. You understand what I'm trying to say here? And my friends, the Bible says even when we were dead in sins, God does not wait until we improve our condition. He doesn't wait until we get reformed. He doesn't wait until we get better or we turned over a new leaf. No, God but sin. And he sets his love on us while we were dead in our sins. Amen man. You understand there's a penalty that must be paid for your sin for my sin. And if you paid for that penalty, if I paid for that penalty we would still go to that place called hell. But I thank God over 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God paid the sin debt for all of mankind. And even when we were dead in our sins he died for us so that we may be spared from that place called hell. Not only is it a divine intervention But look at Ephesians 2, look at verse number 5 through 6 with me. The Bible says in verse number 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye are saved. Look at verse number 6. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ 
Jesus. When God but sin, it's a divine intervention. But I'm thankful after we get saved by the grace of God. Number two, we receive a divine identification. Amen. We receive a divine identification. We're identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The person that we are identified with or the person that we get our identity from once we are saved is the Lord Jesus Christ. Before when we were lost, or if you're here today and you're lost and you're undone, the Bible says that you're a stranger. But when we get saved, we become as good as sons, the Bible says. And when God looks upon his redeemed, I'm glad he never sees us like we were, but he sees us as we are in Jesus. I'm glad he does not see our sins, but he sees the righteousness of his son. And as I said yesterday, and I'll say it to the entire group today, my friend, some of you have wretched, ungodly, wicked paths, a past that you, that you got saved from, and sometimes you're reminded of your past. Child of God, can we be reminded? It's never the God of heaven that reminds us of our past. It's always the devil that reminds us of our past. My friend, I'm identified with Jesus. And when God looks at me, he sees his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. When God butted in, we became identified with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is there a divine intervention, not only do we receive a divine identification, but can I say lastly this morning, for those of us that are saved by the good grace of God, God's got some divine intentions for all of us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That verse implies that the half is yet to be told of how good you and I really have it. The day that we accepted Christ, those of us that are saved, can I say we got a deal and a half, amen? And it's a good life that we get to live here on earth, but it doesn't even compare to the life that we're going to live for all of eternity in heaven. And God intends to reveal the riches of his grace to us. God will use the unfolding ages of eternity to reveal the extent of his grace in our lives. As it stands now, none of us really have any true concept of all the Lord has done for us. But when we arrive in heaven, we will be able to, uh, he will be able to show us and we'll be able to comprehend uh, the extent of his grace. When we arrive there, we'll be given glorified bodies and we'll have bodies that can praise him in such a manner that benefits his glory. I understand that I don't, uh, that, that I don't comprehend uh, all the grace and all the mercy that God has bestowed in my life. But can I say I do with my feeble mind can comprehend some of the grace and some of the mercy that he's bestowed upon me. And my friend, I don't want to wait to heaven to praise his name I want to bring honor and glory to his name while I'm here on earth amen he, he, he intends to reveal the riches of his grace to us and then he intends to reveal his grace through us child of God if you're saved this morning you and I are a walking billboard of God's grace Can I say I'm 110% against 
lifestyle evangelism being a substitute for one-on-one confrontational soul winning. But can I say tonight, this morning, sir, it's going to be hard to, to prove to your co-worker the grace of God in your life if you're singing with them to the same ungodly worldly music they are. It's going to be hard to witness to that neighbor as you laugh at their dirty jokes. Child of God, can I say today, we're a billboard of God's grace. And can I encourage all of us, or as I read the Word of God, I'm encouraged, and we all should be encouraged that we are to live like Him, and we are to love like Him, and we are to labor like Him. Let's do these things so that others may be drawn to Him, and they might be saved by the grace of God. Nowhere in this Bible do I find where there's a time in the Christian life to slack. It's not time to relax. It's not time to let off the gas. It's time to work like it all depends on us and pray like it all depends on God. You understand God's got some intentions for us. I don't know who it may be, but maybe God's calling somebody to the bus ministry. Maybe God's calling somebody to preach the gospel. I, I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I do know this. Telling a lost sinner and going knocking on somebody's door doesn't just lie on the shoulders of the pastor or Brother Andrew or a few key people of the church. My friend, if you're saved by the grace of God, it lies on all of our shoulders to tell a lost and dying world about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God but sin, I was lost in my sin but God. I was trapped in darkness. But God. I was separated from God and headed to hell. But God. I was under the control of Satan and I was a prisoner to my own passions and lusts. But God. I was dead, deceived, depraved, and doomed. But God. And because God intervened in my life, I'm not the person I used to be and you're not the person that you used to be. My life's changed and so is my destiny. And because of what he did, I've been delivered from my wretched past. I've been identified with Jesus and I'm secure in his marvelous salvation. Maybe, just maybe, under the sound of my voice this Sunday morning, someone here is, something's going on in your heart and you don't know what that is this morning. Can I tell you what, is, what it is? Could be good old Holy Ghost conviction. It could be that God's trying to butt into your life and show you your lost condition and show you that you need to be saved by the grace of God. Can I ask you this morning, do you know without a shadow of a doubt, not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, but because who Jesus is and what he did on the cross of Calvary, that if you were to die today, that heaven would be your home? If you don't, why don't you give in to God butting into your life? Child of God, if you are saved by the grace of God, there's been a definite time and a definite place. You've received by faith the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. First of all, God's gotten past your past. You can get past your past. And my friend, I'm glad I'm identified with Him. But third of all, if there's ever a time of urgency for us to live for God and serve God, 
Right now is that time. And God's got some intentions for all of us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed all across the building as the instrumentalists would come to play this morning. Let's stand all across the building this morning. Let's stand all across the building this morning. If God has spoken to your heart in one way or another this morning, somewhere between your seat and this altar, why don't we come and do business with God this morning? Why don't we just come and spend some time with Him? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed across the building. Perhaps there's somebody here that, so Brother Dallas, to be completely honest with myself, to be honest with God, if I were to die today, I do not know for certain. I do not know for sure that heaven would be my home. I sure would like to know that. I, would, I sure would like to know that I would be able to escape the fires of hell and go to that place called heaven. Brother Dallas, but to be honest, I'm not sure that I know heaven is my home. And I would ask you, Brother Dallas, as the guest preacher, would you please pray for me that I would get that settled in my life before it's eternally too late? If that's your testimony this morning with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, Brother Dallas, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure heaven to be my home. I sure would like to know that. Would you please pray for me? If that's your prayer, would you just lift up your hand just very quickly, let it right back down, Brother Dallas? I'm not sure heaven's my home. I'm not sure that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? If that's your testimony, I want you to slip up your hand good and high. Would you please pray for me? As the pianist begins to play, if God spoke in your heart, why don't we come?